Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. Let's get our Bibles out tonight. We're in a series, so to speak, but we, well, we're, we're tackling a, a subject matter. And I feel that this subject matter is, is very vital and important uh, to each and every one of us. And over here in Romans 8, I want you to see here in verse 14, Romans 8, 14. In the King James, it says that the sons of God, the children of God, are led, directed, having their steps steps ordered by the Spirit of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. God has made provision for us to order, to direct, to illuminate our steps that we can actually follow Him. You know, that's what, that's what sheep do. Sheep follow their Shepherd, And so we've been talking about being led, being directed by the Spirit of God. And this is something that, that it's, it's not just getting a revelation of it, but it's also begin, beginning to develop following that witness. And that begins by locating that witness of the Spirit. Years ago, my wife and I, we, we determined that if we could hear the Lord's voice in our decision-making, if we could know what he decided and had already made a way for us to do something, that if we would follow him, that everything that we set our hand to would already be blessed. It's, it's, it's like when we're growing our kids. We, we endeavored to give them wise counsel, uh, understanding, and, and so that they could walk in a knowledge that was already tested and proven. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. And so we knew that if we would make more decisions based on his leadership, his guidance, then we had a really good chance to having a blessed life. And guess what? Uh, us taking the time to learn how to hear his voice, recognize him, and then be willing to follow it, it has really paid off. Now notice here in the 16th verse, you just read the the 14th verse with me, he tells us how he leads us. The Spirit himself, verse 16, he does what? He bears witness. He bears witness with our spirit. Notice that he will lead us from within, the hidden man of the heart, the inner man, the, our spirit man is where he's going to communicate. It's interesting that when you think about bearing witness, what does this word bear witness with our spirit? Well, it, it has to do with him speaking, and when I use that word speak, Uh, Many times we think about natural hearing. But I'm talking about spiritual communication. He's a spirit, so he's going to communicate with us in that realm of the spirit. And he's speaking or communicating would be a better word. He's communicating with our spirit. Now he begins to communicate and he's looking for us coming in agreement or having a co-witness of what he's communicating with us. I think the best example of this is when you and I, before we had allowed Christ to come into our heart and and to receive the salvation that he purchased for us, there was a time that we sensed a drawing towards him. Uh, Kind of, I don't want to use the word pulling, but something, some unseen force was, was causing us to become more aware of him. And that's when the Holy Spirit was communicating to us and drawing us in 
to that relationship. And when we came to that place, I call it the valley of decision. When you get to a place where you have to choose, when you follow what he's communicating on the inside, that's when we get that co-witness or that co-agreement. We begin to agree with him, and then as we walk it out, then that's when the blessings come. And so every one of us have this communication on the inside of us. And it's going on all the time. He is constantly communicating with us. But how many of you know that if you're in a room and, and the volume of the television or the, the volume of maybe a, a, a device is, is real loud, or, or maybe there's other things going on in that room at the same time, someone across the room tries to speak to you, you, you see that they're trying to say something or are saying something to you, but you can't depict what they're saying. There's just too much volume to hear exactly what they're saying. And that's what it's like for, for many of us. This world that we live in is so busy. It's so active. The Bible says that there are many voices in the world and many with, that, with significance. And so there's so much activity going on in our mind. There's so much activity going on that are privy to our senses. And there's so much activity going on on the inside of us. And so many times, even though the Lord is speaking, we can't recognize what he's saying. And this is how we miss things. This is how we, we fail to come into that place where we recognize the witness of the Spirit. So let's talk about you and I being spirit beings. We're talking about this again tonight because how can you begin to attempt to hear what the Holy Spirit is communicating if you don't know where to look? Many of us are looking out here. Many people are just simply led or directed by reasoning in what they see and hear or feel in this outside world. Many of us are just directed by our five physical senses and the logic and the reasoning that we compile what we're seeing and feeling. And we have to get to a place where we don't let this out here influences to the degree that we miss what's going on on the inside of us. So over here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the Bible dissects man, so to speak, and shows the different parts of our nature. And here is Paul praying to the church of Thessalonica, in chapter 5, beginning in verse 23. And he begins to say, and I'm reading from the King James, he says, may the very God of peace, isn't that an interesting statement? The God of peace. Sometimes it's easy to recognize God and his leadings when that which we're considering in our heart gives us peace. How many times you, you've gotten into, a, into a, some circumstances and you're having to make a decision and yet you're, you're kind of wringing your hands on what your alternatives are? Well, there's no peace there. He's the God of peace. The Bible talks about how he will lead us by peace. And that's an inner, that's an inner knowing. It's a peace that passes or supersedes our intellect, our emotions. The very God of peace will sanctify or separate you, cleanse you completely. And now he begins to pray for the whole man. Notice it, what part of our being he begins with. He says, I pray God your whole spirit. You and I need to embrace the truth that we are spirit beings. Yes, we have a beginning, but as spirit beings, we do not have an end. 
we're eternal. I said, we're eternal. And this life here on the earth is just a foretaste of how long you and I will live. Aren't you glad that we're going to live with God after this time on the earth? I'm so looking forward to it. He's got so many things planned for us. Think about it. When, when you have some guests that are going to come visit you and you haven't seen them in a long time, you, you start considering what you're going to do with them and, and some things that you're going to be doing together. You know, God's got some plans for us. And it's going to be an exciting relationship with him when we finally get there. So, yes, we are a spirit being. We have a soul, and that's our mind. And then both of these, our spirit and our mind, and I, I like to see it this way, that, that our, our mind is a part of our spirit. Many of us think that our mind is our brain. It's not. Our mind is spiritual. And that's because when we hear the story of Lazarus and, and, and the rich man, when you see them on the other side after their bodies were, were put back to the ground, their brain, part of their organic, physical man, is put into the grave, they're able to remember, they have emotion, and that's the function of their, their mind. Remember, the, the rich man was, had feelings about his brothers. What, to send somebody, to send Lazarus to them, to tell them about uh, this life after. And, and your, your mind, it will be part of who you are on the other side. So we have a spirit. We have a mind. And we live in this earth suit, this body of ours. Look at this again. I pray your whole spirit and soul, which is your mind, and your body be preserved blameless until the coming of Jesus Christ. It would, it would behoove us. It would, it would bless us. It would help us if you and I would say to ourselves, I am an eternal spirit being. I have a mind, and I, my spirit man, lives in a body. Maybe even the next time you look at yourself in the mirror, look at that reflection that you see of your outer man and tell your body that you're not me. You're my house. You're going back to dirt. I'm going to live forever. Amen? It'll help us. So let's begin talking about these different, the different, I, I don't, I'm not sure I like to use the word parts, but, but the different components of our nature. I want you to go on over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And once we become conscious of the fact that we're a spirit man, then scripture begins to open up to us. For the most part, the Bible was not written to your flesh. The Bible wasn't written to your body. God's not going to spend a lot of time talking about our outer man where his lifespan is so limited compared to our spirit man. And so there are some things about our body, but primarily scripture, especially in the epistles, are written to the new creature, the, the, who we have become in Christ when we were born again. Now, I want you to look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. Now, remember, Paul was spirit conscious. Paul was spirit conscious. He knew who he was. He knew the part of his nature that had been touched by the resurrection power of God. He knew who he had become. He knew that he was not that man that used to be that was 
was going around trying to destroy the early church. He knew that man no longer existed, that it had passed away, and now he was brand new. He also was able to depict that he had a mind and he lived in his body, and there's many times that you'll see him make a, make a statement about who he is in the spirit. And this is such a verse here, 1 Corinthians 9, 27. He says, but I, so he's talking about himself. He says, but I, well, who is the I that he's talking about? Well, he's talking about his spirit man. You'll begin to see this clearly as he goes on. He says, I keep under my body. Notice how he's now separating himself between the inner man and the outer man. And he's saying that the inner man, in his case, is controlling his outer man. You see, we have a different nature in our spirit man than we do in our outer man. Our outer man has not been redeemed yet. Our outer man still has the same nature in it as when we were still part of the world. And that's why there's a lot of contradictions and a lot of things that our body wants to do that our spirit doesn't want to have nothing to do with. It's, I like to consider my body like a dog. Now, my wife and I, we had a cute little dog for 15 and a half years, a little Pomeranian, and he was so cute. But that dog could get into some things, right? He could get into some things. It didn't matter how cute he was. He got into some things that we didn't want him into. And so there were times, especially when we were out of the house, that we had to restrain him with a leash. Because he, he, he'd just go wherever he would see a rabbit, and he was off, you know? He'd find something stinky, and he'd be rolling in it, Right? See, he had a, a different nature or a different way of doing things than what we did. And so it, he needed to be restrained. He needed to be controlled. And this is what Paul's saying. He says, I keep my body on a leash. And that's because your spirit man has a different nature than your outer man. This is where people get really confused. They receive Christ. They're, they're born again. They have a wonderful experience. They love the Lord, but they find themselves doing things that they know, know they shouldn't be doing. And they start to wonder, well, well maybe I didn't get saved. Maybe that, that day that, that I asked Jesus to come into my life, maybe that was just an emotional experience. Because surely if, I, if, if, if Jesus is living in my heart by the Holy Spirit, surely if I'm a new creature in Christ, surely if God the Holy Spirit is in me, I, I, I shouldn't be doing these things. Why am I doing these things? Well, because that's the nature of your flesh. It is going to keep doing those things until our spirit man gets, grows to the place where it starts restraining putting our outer man on a leash. Now think about this. How spiritual do you think the Apostle Paul was? Oh, you mean he wrote over half the New Testament, right? You think he was a spiritual guy? You think he knew the Lord? Do you think God used him in a mighty way? You know, besides Jesus Christ... He was probably the most influential person that's represented in, in the Bible. Amen. In fact, he's the one that the Lord used to reach us Gentiles, which was the largest population in the world and still is. He says, I... 
his spirit man, keeps my body under. He says, I have to control my body. How could God use someone so proficiently who's got trouble with his flesh? You hear what Paul's saying? The guy that wrote this verse? <laughs> he said that he had to control his behavior. He had to control what his body desired and what his body wanted to do. That's because he's got the same nature in his body that you and I have in ours. See, many times we think about people in Christendom and, and they don't have the same problems we do. God's using them this way. God's using them that way. Oh, look how God is working through that person. Well, guess what? They had to grow to the place where they weren't dominated by their flesh or they wouldn't be doing those things that they're now doing for the Lord. They still have those same desires. Right? Our body will always have those, those same earthly, worldly desires until it gets put to dirt. And we have to deal with it. How do we deal with it? We grow spiritually to have the strength and the where for all to control our outer man. Now, look at this again. We're in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. He says, I, my spirit, keeps or controls my body. Notice he calls his body an it. I keep it under. He doesn't say, I keep myself under. No, I keep my body under. See how he separated himself? He knows when something he, he desires is either his flesh or his spirit. You can start differentiating between the two. I bring it, my body, under subjection. Under subjection, <laughs> under subjection to whom? His spirit. Least by any means, when I have preached to others, I should be a castaway. This is how Paul lived his life so effectively. He was aware of who he was in Christ. He was aware of his spirit man. And he made it a point to make decisions from his inner man. From that nature that is love. That nature that is generous. That nature that is forgiving. That nature that's tender and compassionate. Let's look at another example of what Paul said. Going over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's go down to verse 16. So this is the second letter or epistle that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Second Corinthians 4, 16. For which cause we faint not, though our outward man. Now he's talking about the outer man. The outer man is the man that you see. You're looking, if you're looking at me right now, you're looking at my outer man. You're looking at my body. Again, when you come over to my house, you don't stand outside and start talking to my house. Right? I hope you don't. You, you, you know, if you want to talk to me, you've got to ring the doorbell and come into the house to talk to me. Well, this is what our outer man is. Our body is just simply the earth suit in which our spirit lives. It's our body that navigates us to where we want to go. I mean, you know, your spirit can't just go wherever it wants to go. No, it has to go in the vehicle in which it's stuck inside of our body. So he says here, my outward man, which is my body, what's happening to it? It says it's perishing. 
Now, it doesn't take a seeing-eye dog to realize that. We don't look, our house, this outer man doesn't look the same as it did 20 years ago. We're still seeing the same things looking this way. We don't see any difference. But the people looking this way, hmm. Sometimes you see people in the grocery store and they just might not recognize your outer man after so many years. Amen? So we need to embrace that. That our body has a shelf life. It's like a, a gallon of milk. It's got an expiration date on it. Now we're doing our best to push it out as far as we can because it's more expedient and more beneficial for us to be here in our body on the earth so that we can represent Jesus. But the time's going to come where it's going to be more beneficial for us to leave. Amen? I'm going at least to 90. Well, you can't say that. You don't know the future. Well, that's true. I don't know the future. But I know my desires. And the Lord says that I can have the desires of my heart. And then he told me how to have the desires of my heart. I got to believe with my heart, say with my mouth. So I'm telling all y'all that it's my desire that I'll be at least 90 before I leave this earth. Or until I'm satisfied. And Jesus told me himself in the word of God that I can have what I say. Amen? So you can say whatever you want. I get to say what I want. Amen? Or what I desire. Hallelujah. So he says the outer man is perishing. But look at this. Yet the inner man, that's your spirit. That's who you are for all eternity. What's going on with it? It's renewed or refreshed or rebooted every day. Oh, hallelujah. So the inner man, that's the spirit of man. That's who you are. That's who I am. Every day I'm getting renewed because I am an eternal being. And I enjoy every day life and renewal. What's the outer man enjoying right now? Well, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's decaying, right? It's got a shelf life. It has a natural quality, not an a eternal or spiritual quality. What's its future? It's going to be death and soon going to be uh, worm food, I suppose. Amen. Let's look at what Peter had to say. Let's go over the first epistle of Peter, the first letter of Peter. And let's go to chapter 3, verse 4. Aren't you glad that Peter didn't give up? You know, he, he, he chose to get over his mistake. Hello? He got over denying the Lord. He got over not believing what he had said about how he would be in the ground for three days and then be resurrected. He got over not trusting in what God said. Amen? Aren't you glad he did get over, that he humbled himself and received what God had for him? And now he's here, he's still talking. He's still describing what he had seen as one of the apostles of the Lamb. He didn't let his life become a castaway. Man, I like it when people are faithful. 1 Peter 3, 4. Now he's going to start talking about the inner man. He says, let, let it be the hidden man. The who man? The man is hidden. Notice he calls it the hidden man of the heart. Now, many times when we hear this word heart, we think of the, uh, the muscle that pumps the blood in our, in our body. 
And yes, that we have a physical heart. But this, that's not what he's talking about. The hidden man is a spirit. So he's calling this, his spirit, a heart. Many times you'll, you'll use that word heart as the center or the most important thing about a, a subject matter. That's the heart of what I'm saying is this. Well, he's describing our spirit man, the, the center or the core or the most important part of our being. After all, that's who we are. He says that your spirit, this hidden man, this, this man that you can't see, is not corruptible, meaning that it, it can't go away. It's eternal. He calls it an, an ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of a great price. You see, primarily, Jesus didn't come to redeem our outer man. If that's what he came to do, then it would have already have been done. We're not going to receive the fullness of our redemption in our body until Jesus comes back. And we receive a flesh and bone body that is no longer corruptible, can no longer pass away. You see, Jesus has the fullness of redemption because he has his glorified body. A body that still can eat, but yet can walk through walls. Our glorified body is going to be awesome. <laughs> I can't wait. It's going to be great. I can eat all the food I want and still be good to go. Not gain any weight. Or I won't have to eat. That'll be fine too. Amen? But right now, we still got stuck with this earth suit that, that has yet to be fully redeemed. He says that this spirit man is not corruptible. And God purchased it so that we could be born again that we could receive his nature, that we could be made. Now, embrace this, because it's Bible. This is what it says about you in Hebrews chapter 12. He's made you perfect. Otherwise, how could you be like him if you weren't? He made us perfect, and then he sealed that perfection by the Spirit of God. So it, we can't be tainted in this world. Hallelujah. We're preserved. So our spirit, who we really are, is just, is just simply a hidden man. You're looking at me, but you're really not seeing me. I look a whole lot better on the inside. <laughs> than I do on the outside. And for that matter, so do you. And, and you know, that's really how we need to see one another. Sometimes I think we fixate on imperfection more than we do on perfection. I've noticed that as a parent, I had a hard time seeing imperfection in my children. But you know, when I saw the neighbor's kid, I saw a lot of imperfection in them. <laughs> right? Because they're not my children. You know, I think we need to have at least uh, that quality when we see our brothers and sisters in the Lord. That we stop fixating on their imperfections. Because, you know, each one of us, we're loaded with that on the outside, right? Now, the inner man is perfect. Unfortunately, he's not always making the decisions. 
and we make mistakes and we do things wrong. I don't like this term. It's a worldly term, but we need to cut our brothers and sisters some slack. You know what I'm saying? And see them as they are in truth on the inside. See them, hey, they're perfect on the inside. Yeah, they may not have everything going for them like I do, right? Which is, <laughs> which is a wrong statement. But I, I think we need to be a little bit more gracious and compassionate. Amen? And if we'll start seeing one another as Christ has made them on the inside, it, it, it'll make a big difference. Amen? So we're seeing that we are the man on the inside. We are the hidden man of the heart. Now, I want to make a couple of statements, and then we'll pack things up and head on home. So we, we've determined tonight, and along with last week, that we are eternal spirit beings. We need to embrace that. We, we need to let that be how we see ourselves and begin locating that part of us. Understand that to help us separate our spirit from our mind and from our body, understand that with our spirit man, the man on the inside, we contact or interact in the spiritual realm. See, this is where God wants us to live. Our enemy, the devil, and his kingdom is limited to trying to confuse and to bait, tempt this man on the outside. And he's preying on the nature of this outer man. And especially on our pride. If we're given to pride, if, if we're given to selfishness, the devil has an easier time in manipulating us because all he has to bait us with is something that's going to benefit you and what you want and what you desire. That's how he did it in the garden. He was baiting Eve with her flesh. And wanting her to desire to eat and to touch and to have something that God said they couldn't have. That's pride. But it's also beating that pride through our flesh and its desires. So understand that with our spirit, we interact and we live in the unseen realm. We don't allow ourselves to be moved by things that are in that seen realm. With our mind, we contact the intellectual realm. And that's the devil's playground. He comes at us with thoughts. His temptations will be kind of like an air castle that comes to tempt our intellect and our reason. And then with our body, we contact the physical realm. Now understand that your spirit, my spirit, and your mind and my mind are not the same. But they're so closely intertwined that there's only one thing that can separate Going over to Hebrews chapter 4, let's look at verse 12. Many times it's difficult, or should I say challenging, for you and I to separate ourselves from our mind. The, there's only one entity, and here it is in verse 12. Of Hebrews 4. It says that the Word of God is quick 
And that's a King James word that is defining is alive or contains spiritual life. The word of God has spiritual life and is powerful. Isn't that what Jesus said in John 6, 63? He says that the words I speak unto you, they are spiritual and they have life. They are spirit and life. Well, that's what the word of God is. We see it as printed information. But this book is not just printed information. When our spirit interacts with this printed information and begin believing it and allowing its revelation to bring illumination to our spirit now is converted from that which is natural into spirit and life. See, when, when people read this Bible intellectually, trying to understand it, trying to figure it out, they're trying to take that which is spiritual and figure it out mentally or logically or with reason. And that's why they just trip all over themselves. It's, it's almost, well, no, we won't, we won't go there. So the word of God is that which imparts life and is powerful. It contains God's creativity and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing even to, piercing even to the dividing asunder of what? Soul and spirit. And remember, we found out earlier that many times this word soul is talking about our mind. If this was... If this was representative of your spirit, why would he repeat himself and say spirit and spirit? Because he's not. The soul here is your mind. So the word of God has the, the ability to divide between our mind and our spirit. Now understand that your mind can't be the same as your spirit and your spirit can't be the same if you're, as your mind if you can divide it. Amen? So we see here that if a spirit can be divided from its mind, and again, your mind is spiritual. It's your interface between your spirit and your body. Your spirit doesn't operate directly through your body. It has to go through your body by way of the mind. And that's why it's so vitally important that we renew our mind to give our spirit the liberty to work through our mind. The renewing of the mind begins to think like our spirit so there comes a, an agreement and we forfeit the demand of having logic and reason before we do something when the mind comes in agreement with the spirit man. And that's why we, as we wash our mind with the word of God through the, the renewing process, then it begins to align itself and come into an agreement with your spirit man and doesn't always have to know everything before you act. So the, the spirit and the mind, because they can be separated, they're different. Now remember, our mind is completely unchanged through the new birth. The new birth was the resurrection of the spirit man it wasn't the resurrection of the mind that's because it was a spiritual birth not a mental birth same with the body because it's physical it's the same after being born again and you've probably discovered by now that it's still your body still wants to do some stupid things it used to do 20 years ago it still has the same nature 
That's why we continually feed our spirit man. That's why we go to church consistently to keep feeding the inner man so our body doesn't get its way all the time and our mind doesn't take us off into weird places. Amen? Let's look at this. I wanted to get to this last place, but you know, we're, I think we're just out of time. So say this. I am an eternal spirit. When I received Jesus, my spirit man, the hidden man of my heart, was resurrected and made in the likeness and in the image of God. I now have his nature. I now have his life. And I have the, the, the spirit of God living inside my spirit. My spirit is the dwelling place the temple of God, the Holy Spirit. I also have a mind which contains my intellect and my reasoning and my will. I need to renew my mind with the Word of God so it comes in agreement with the nature of my spirit. I also live in this house, this body, this outer man. I, my spirit man, I control my body. It doesn't do what it wants to do. It can only do what I choose it to do with this inner man, my spirit. Hallelujah. When the Spirit of God leads me, He's not leading me from my mind. He's leading me from within. When the Spirit of God leads me, He doesn't show me a sign out here in the physical realm because He's not a physical man. He leads me from within. For he is a spirit being and has made me to be a spirit being. I'm directed from within. I'm learning how to locate my spirit man. I'm learning how to hear and to depict and to recognize when the Holy Spirit is leading me from within. For the word of God says that the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. We're told that the Spirit of God communicates with my spirit. Every day, I'm getting better and more proficient and accurate in recognizing his communication with my spirit. I choose to be led by the Spirit of God. I choose to be led from within. Not move from out here. Not move with my emotions. Not move by my pride. But I move from within. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, we thank you for giving us that inner knowing, that revelation, that recognition of truth that we are eternal spirits. That is the inner man that is the recipient of your resurrection power that has made us brand new, that has made us new creatures in Christ.
with your love, with your nature. And I thank you, Lord, that you're helping us to feed that inner man, to cause the inner man to grow as we renew our mind so that we can live our life from the inside out while we control this flesh of ours. Thank you, Lord God, that we walk in the Spirit and therefore we do not walk in the satisfaction of our flesh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for coming out tonight. Uh, I think what we'll be doing here moving forward with at least one more installment of this subject matter is I want to take time to, to show us how we can grow spiritually. That's really the key to success, when we grow on the inside. I mean, the Lord told us as newborn babes in Christ, desire faith food. Desire the sincere milk of the word. When you and I begin growing on the inside, that's when the recognition of who we are and that communication of the Holy Spirit becomes more and more apparent to us. And I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's a deal changer, so to speak. When you and I start living from in here, our relationships get better. Because I don't have to have my way all the time. We become more giving, more generous, more concerned about other people and their needs. Because that's the nature of our spirit man. And I'm telling you, life gets good when you become more concerned about others than you are yourself. Amen? Hey, I'm not saying I've arrived, but, you know, I'm on the train. I'm on my way. Amen? Hey, thanks for coming out tonight. We sure do appreciate you. Glad you came. I believe you got something.